A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Both pairs have, have spoken with each other and uh, um, they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a f-ing shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their f-ing houses for f-ing 10 years. Okay, so we finally have it, lads. The roadmap, the return to play roadmap, which was leaked a little bit last week, and this, the leaks weren't ex- entirely accurate. Um, if if we're being honest, because clubs get eleven weeks. We were thinking that, the, based off the articles we're reading, that there was going to be two months for club and two months for intercounty. Of course, lots of people had issues with this. As it turns out, the clubs are getting eleven weeks from July the 31st until September the 14th. So how anyone can complain about that, I'll never know. Intercounty is getting a raw deal. There's no point in saying anything else. They're getting um, one month's preparation, no access to players until the, the, the 14th of September. And then their championship starts in the muck and the dirt on October the 17th and could run across Christmas. So they'll be getting a flavour of what club players have to deal with for I don't know how many years, Conan. Like, I mean, it is weighted more heavily towards looking after the club player. It, it is, but it's it's um it's also weighted towards maybe getting a crowd into the county games as well, which which I'm all for. And that's understandable sense. too, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh yeah, like I don't think there's any point in having a into county game. Like you know, just benefits everyone if there's a crowd going to the game, it benefits the clubs who get some money from it and, and it benefits all of us who can get to go to the games when we're allowed to go to them. So I was very surprised to see, like you said, you can't believe that anybody would have a, a complaint about the clubs having 11 weeks and going first, but like they still do. It's, it's unbelievable. Like This is when you want to play, isn't that? Like we've got yeah. the summer, there's 11 weeks. Everybody can go now and enjoy the best weather. And as you say, the county teams are stranded down at the back end of the year. Conan, 11 weeks uninterrupted in the best conditions of the summer. How, like I'm I getting a little bit annoyed with the CPA now. I know they deleted the, delete the tweet, but they're, they're almost turning in, Connor to a, like a government opposition party where they have to find fault with everything. Like, I mean, when I got this news last Friday, I was absolutely in great form. I was like, ah, this is just fantastic. And all the complaining and the mistakes I think the GA made, I'm parking them a little bit. Well, we might talk about them later on the show. The newspaper review might bring us in that direction. But I want to focus on this is very, very positive. We could have 42,000 people potentially in Croke Park at the end of the year if the social distancing reduces to one metre. We can have a club championship uninterrupted, have an inter-county championship. And if it goes into January next year, what's the big deal? It could be in All-Ireland at the end of January. This is fantastic news. How people can turn this into a negative after the three or four months we're after enduring, I just, I can't understand that mentality. Yeah, I can't really understand it either, Willie, to be honest. Like like as yourself and Conan said, it's win-win. I think the club player can't really complain because he's being prioritised for a start. It's it's club first and then inter-county afterwards. And just as an inter-county fan, like I think I think the 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 kind of dissatisfaction has come sprung from this idea 
that 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 came out of the woodwork early enough and a lot of people have stuck to it since as in like abandon the intercounty championship and just leave the year to club and i don't yeah. i don't I, I don't know why people are thinking that way but that seems to have that seems to be the root cause of some of this negative reaction that like oh you're shoehorning an intercounty championship in there but like that's ignoring the fact that like you're being given 11 weeks after everything that's been going on 11 weeks is time to have obviously it's not ideal but it's time to have a meaningful club championship. And why would you give out at the end of the day about a return to the county championship? Everybody should be delighted about that. And the fact that like anybody who thought that like you can just write off the inter-county championship, it's just unrealistic for any number of reasons. So, and that like, that kind of annoyed me too, because when you, when you hear the good news on Friday, you're like, right, this is brilliant. And then you can't help but kind of keep track of some of the negative reaction. It takes away from some of your positivity a little bit. And that was the only negative to come out of the, the news that we got last Friday. Yeah, like the idea that we wouldn't play an inter-county um, championship, that's the big show in town where people lose sight of this and, uh, you know, the whole idea with the CPA and the, you know, the issues club players face, which are all fair enough and we argue them on the show. But let's be honest, if I had a choice between watching a club championship for the year and an inter-county championship, I'd pick a the inter-county championship all day long. I'm sorry, but it's much better. So I don't know why the complaints are. And financially, the GA need it. And like why they could complain about giving the club 11 weeks anyways. I'm repeating myself. But even on top of this, there's a little bit more positivity because we thought last week that they were going to play the club championships with a knockout. And John Horn has said, no, county boards can decide themselves. They have 11 weeks. It's enough time to play around Robins. They can play around Robins if they want. Um, Quarterfinal, semifinal. So you're looking at the big dual counties been still being a little bit t- tight for time, but they could easily play three weeks round robin, uh, quarterfinal, semifinal, final in six weeks. So you could play six weeks hurling, five weeks football, or, you know, alter- alternate them depending on how many teams you have. It will be tight for big ca- dual counties, you know, like Cork, Galway, Tipperary, things like that, but it's definitely doable. So not only do they get 11 weeks, they don't have to have it as a knockout, Colin. So it's a, it's a, it, Scaries won't be out in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's funny you say that. We actually had this conversation uh, yesterday. Just I was going over to the shop and I was like, Jesus, imagine we got Ballymun in the first round and it was straight knockout and you'd be doing all these 5Ks for, for no reason at all. But uh, like, do you know what you're saying there as well about the, the club and, and all the issues that they have and, and like a lot of valid issues, but they almost lose their integrity when when yeah. we start saying, get rid of the county yeah, championship. Yeah. It's like, like, do you actually want the club to be better or are you just like, are you on this crusade now just to get rid of county football? Like what, what planet's that? Like, do we not love the GA and is that not the best showcase and the best window for it? But yeah. like yes, the answer, like you know, to, to go back to your your club and the Ryan Robin stuff, the fact that it's eleven weeks is a lifesaver, especially with no league. So having those three group games will give people time to sort of bend into it. And I'd say if counties don't have those Ryan Robins, and they should probably start looking at getting them in. Well, and that's the thing. And another thing that needs to be pointed out is that when intercounty, when they finish, the intercounty starts on September the fourteenth. Before that, access to intercounty players is banned. Now, you know, you'll say, let's see what happens when a club player is out in the middle of August. You know, but that's that's issues that will arise then. But clubs are going to be allowed to continue on with league games in October. It's a great deal for a club player. It's a fantastic deal for club players around the country. And there is no getting away from that. Um, they should be absolutely de- delighted. We'll run through the, the the dates here, lads. So most people will know this. So I'm not going to spend too much time on it. June 29th, pitches are open. Everybody knows my opinion on that. That should be happening today. But look, we're not going to start getting dragged into that again. Um, all clubhouse buildings remain will be closed except for toilets. As we mentioned, training's non-contact. Um, and you can have this is an interesting one. It's small groups, 10 players and two coaches in a dedicated area of the field. So that reads to me like you can have your whole squad on the field, 10 in one third, 10 in the other and 10 in the other. And everyone can train um, on the field at the same time. So there, there's not an issue with that because, like, I mean, as of today, the government are saying that it's OK for 15 people and trainers and coaches to play non-contact. You know, so you, if you wanted to be very negative about that, you'd say, well, the GEA now are three weeks behind the government, which, again, I'm very critical of. I wish they had just gone with the government thing and we're all back doing that today. But at least when they come back, it's not 10 players on the entire pitch, Conan. It's 10 players in a dedicated area of the field. 
Yeah, it's um, like I said to you, it's hard in, in a place like Scaries where we share the field with two or three teams at once. So that that will be will be a little tougher. But really, you share you shared it not not in the same training session, surely. Oh yeah, but sure, you don't only have one pitch. Like um, you have what you have hurling, you have Kamogi, ladies football and football. You have three adult senior teams. You have two minor teams. You know, there's so many teams trying to trying to get yeah. access to the pitch. Like so, um, you would share the pitch and. So that'll be tough, but it's just going to have to be a case of getting more creative, like and not just yeah, doing runs and doing hand passing and let, you know the old favorite, like when a coach knows that the training's good is when people are hammering in each other and they're, they're beating the shit out of each other. Like you can't do that. Like so, you're going to have to figure out a different way to get intensity up. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll be good. I think it'll bring coaching on on, on our level. Yeah. So I think they will. They will have to be creative. There's no doubt. And we're going to talk to Barry Solon. Um, in a little while to maybe give us an idea of how creative they're going to have to get and what's going to suit players um, and stuff like that. So players are going to arrive and depart togged out. That's pretty much what I do anyways. Um, so that's not going to be any hassle for me. I, I, I land togged out, walk out into the field and then get in my car and go home. Anti-social. I'm an the outlet. You know the outlet that doesn't want to be listening to young lads. Um, the health questionnaire has to be completed and players are responsible for taking their own temperature. So Seeing the questionnaire, it's obviously in the document and just a few questions. You have to take no to all of them. If it's yes to any, you don't you don't go training, especially if your temperature um, is high. And clubs need to have thermometers there available so that if some lad, listen, some bird brain lands, oh, well, I lost my thermometer. You know, they have to have access to be able to do it there and then. So nobody's going to be training um if they have a temperature that's above 37.5 um covid supervisor is has to be available for each team so multiple covid supervisor we're kind of thinking a couple of weeks ago it would only need to be one um only players and management are allowed into the ground and no sharing um equipment like water bottles or stuff like that that's stuff that's practical stuff that we were predicting um on the show already then from july the 20th um your it's a return to full contact training so now like i mean it's only 11 days full contact which probably will be an issue uh conan injury wise again if training in the three weeks probably leading up to the the full contact isn't done at a decent level yeah i'm especially considering we're all middle distance runners at the minute and now you're going to have to start preparing for a championship it's not like you're 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 bleeding into some friendlies and and whatever else you want straight into the highest highest level possible so that will be tough it's funny though i got a i got a message from somebody (laughs) a dm on twitter to say that um their coach is already organizing a team training session down at the beach but they're not calling it a team training session they're calling it physical activity outdoors for a group of people (laughs) you know so that will start happening now over the next three weeks before we're allowed back on the pitches so probably will have an easing in phase there illegally yeah. but well, they're, allowed, they're allowed to do that anyways right sure that's government that's not yeah, pitches. Well, there'll be no insurance though like you know so, and there'll be no physio you know stuff like that if they, if they get injured and they're not covered or whatever but like that that will happen they're allowed to exercise outside yeah and you know there's not allowed to be under the GA you know? another, another thing is whether the 11 days will actually be honoured you know or would a, would a club decide look um, 11 days isn't enough let's get back to full contact a week earlier now they would be um, going against government policy and advice on that, you know, July the 20th on that too. Another thing is is the kind of schedule, like same the McGrath brothers from Tipperary who be two from two strong, a strong dual club. Like out of that 11 weeks club window, they could be playing seven, eight, nine weekends of that every weekend. And that's on the back of, you know, not doing anything major for four months, you know, or do, being a long distance runner and then heading straight into an inter-county um, you know, season Connor. That that's pretty that's pretty tough. But look again, I'm not criticizing any of this. I think it's the only way they could have done it. There are definitely going to be challenges based on the small amount of time we have left in the year. I think so. You're just gonna to have to compromise. You mentioned the McGrath brothers. I was immediately thinking of uh, the Collinses in um in Clare. Podge oh, yeah. Crat Low and they'd be like Crat Low be a good football club and obviously uh, a good hurling club as well. So, but listen, that it all comes back to the fact that like you're good. There goes a, there's going to have to be some compromises here. People players know that it's not ideal, but they know they'd rather this way, I suppose, than than anything else that would deprive them of the opportunity to play in either championship. And I think this is when 
this is when like strength and conditioning coaches are going to be talked to Barry Solon are going to come into their own. I mean, like Conan talks about getting the message there. We we got a message, I think. We immediately, our group got a message about kind of some sort of guidelines about our own training and how we taper it towards before we start back collective training. And I was glad to hear um, our SNC guys say that 5Ks are no good to us anymore. So I'm immediately stopping yeah. there. So, but but that's, a, that's very important. Yeah, they're useless. They, that's... That's kind of November training. We're you're moving into the new year now. Like that's that that's the five k should end now. We which we said that two weeks ago. Yeah, we're we're a little behind the curve so here in Mayo, really, but I was just glad to hear that I don't have to do them anymore anyway. Yeah. So in in July the twentieth in the roadmap, build it the clubhouse and everything stay closed. Um, you still need the health uh, questionnaire. All those things stay in place, and then. They're going to give more information closer to the time about whether uh, spectators can go into the club games. So I think that's going to be decided um, closer to the time. So like, I mean, and then August the 10th is the last one. Um, so you work away with the club games. Still, everything's closed. Um, no, the facilities are actually open then, the clubhouse and all that kind of thing. And then the county training starts from 14th of September, which we uh, mentioned. Intercounty is to start back on the 17th of October, which we mentioned, and then the CCCC is going to give a full fixture schedule um, once they have it done. So, like, I mean, that's kind of that's the roadmap for me. Very, very in in summation of the club, very, very, very positive. There's no doubt about that. And it, I think they did the best job that they could do. And I would agree with. Look, I agree with all these different phases. Only I would have them all moved up three weeks. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think that's. <laughs> Everything in them, it's all sensible stuff, Con, and it all makes sense. It's all stuff you would agree with. It's just a pity that they they diverged three weeks away from the government guidelines, which seem a lot more reasonable those dates. Yeah, look, it's hard. It's hard. Like, I was actually coming in knowing that you, you'd be saying that as well. I was thinking, is there, is there a counter argument to that? And there's not really. Like, yeah, it's, it probably should just be moved three weeks further forward. But the fact that I can see that end in sight now, I can see the light and it's only three weeks, I'm sort of like, ah, well, you know, it's grand. Like, you know, I'm sort of not that bothered. It doesn't make much sense, but I'm not bothered by it, really. Yeah, well, I'm not as bothered as I was this time last week. There's no doubt about that. I was ready, I was ready to kill them this time last week, but we have something now which is important. The intercounty, of course, then, everybody says, oh, it's, everything's weighted towards them. This is absolutely not being weighted towards them. So county managers have no access to players until September 14th as a ban on collective county training. Fair enough. Um, they're talking about uh, er, er, they're talking about problems, you know, between intercounty managers being denied access to players and Miguel McGill. Um, what's his first name? Fergal, is it? Fergal McGill said, I think it's practical. Practical. I don't expect managers to be happy. Far from it. But there's a very different thing to whether it's practical or not. There's a cake here and has to be divided among a massive amount of participants. The overwhelming body of participants are club players. So I think on any terms, if you're given a full month to prepare a team, that's plenty. And I agree with Fergal here. Like, I mean, these players are coming in after a club championship two months like they only have one month to prepare them. I think it's more than enough. I do think that certain players like the McGrath brothers will have to be given a full week off, you know, to start. And the, the difference is as well, intercounty managers are coming straight in them in that month with full contact with players that have had a lot of ball work. For me, you spend a month, they should be in good shape, maybe a little bit of intense training, but a lot of tactical stuff in, in, in that month, I'd imagine, Connor. <clears throat> yeah, and I think like I made this point a couple of times over the last few weeks, but um, it comes back to the fact that everybody is or is supposed to be on a level playing field as well. So while, you know, a manager might say that a month might might not be enough, like as you said, I, I think it probably is enough. But like at least every county has that month. No, no other county, no county will have an extra month or an extra six weeks compared to another county. So everybody's on a level playing field. I suppose the difficulty where it comes in is, as you mentioned, the McGrath brothers there who might have be exposed to loads of championship action you know in their own county whereas other counties who might not be knocked out earlier might be in a county where there's you know not a not a strong dual championship for example might have more time but again this this comes back to this you know the the, the ga have made the best of of what they've had in front of them you know and i think that the roadmap they have presented you know for a club and for county is is reasonable at this stage as well yeah another thing is gyms so gyms in the government roadmap are opening up on august the 10th it's they're the last uh, they're in the last phase 
And there might be a temptation, Conan, for players to go, here, Jesus, I haven't done weights in a long time. Don't do them. You can't start them now. You're in the middle of club championship. And inter-county managers, you would worry about setting, you know, a gym programme throughout the club championship because they do it during the National League at inter-county level. You would be worried about managers giving the inter-county players some sort of a gym routine to build them up a month in advance, you know, and have them doing weights which they hadn't been doing for four months. Now, some of them would have access to weights, but that's just another dynamic that's, you know, going to have to be ironed out or going to have to decide. Like, if I was if, if I was in that boat, I wouldn't start doing anything I hadn't been doing for... If I was doing, like, body weight, you know, strength and conditioning, press-ups, squats, all that kind of stuff with, with small enough weights, I'm not sure changing that on August the 10th would make much sense. I'll join your canvassing, Willie, to keep the gyms closed. <laughs> I'll definitely back that horse. Well, I think this is this is probably more of a question to ask Barry, who's coming up in a minute, than ask a numbskull like you about strength and conditioning <laughs> advice. <laughs> well, remember we had uh, Barry Cahill on before, and he he was talking about like you know at the stage you're just you're just maintaining like you know so I don't really you know. You're what ma- no, but you're maintaining if you do the heavy lifting. They've, they've exactly. haven't had the chance to do the heavy lifting. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know, like you know, suddenly the gyms have all been closed for so long. Like, you know, what are you going to get done four weeks before championship? Yeah, like you probably do yourself do yourself more harm than good. Do you know what? I was actually thinking about this the other day. It's probably coming up with an excuse for not being as big as it should be. But it's like I, I spent so much energy and time trying to get stronger and lift bigger weights. And but um, I never run into a tackle anyway because like, I'm told not to, and you know, and it's not the smart thing to do. And it's like, would you not be better just accentuating something that you're good at rather than always focusing on your weakness and I think especially now when you got a 11 week window that's the thing everybody should be doing just focus on what you're good at and try to make that better yeah yeah but I don't I don't doing strength and addition isn't just being able to hit a fella it's been able to keep going longer it's yeah. been able to, it's been able to stand a fella up and be able to tackle him and you know it's it's about having you know strength and conditioning it's not necessarily about <laughs> being able to knock somebody over it's about being a lot stronger to be able to do things better um, so what a couple of other little things here before we get to Barry. So they're hoping I mentioned at the start that if the social distancing is two meters to be to be able to get twenty one thousand into Croke Park, and if it's one meter, then get double that. Obviously forty two thousand. Forty two thousand is a good crowd in Croke Park for the All Ireland final. They're going to put bucket seats in Hill sixteen and social distance them. Another thing is they haven't made a decision on whether to finish this year's leagues. They're thinking maybe they could finish. The games that um, affect relegation and promotion, um, which they could do that. When they do that, I don't know, because it's going to be pretty intense. You'd imagine they're going to need October, November and most of January to finish the All-Ireland. And then to just start back into next year's National League. So it's it's definitely going to be a challenge for them in how they're going to be able to, um, you know, get all this working well there's no doubt they have next january completely free with no club and stuff maybe there'll be some sigerson um and fitzgibbon issues but there's no they have the dates now i suppose it's a matter for the ccc c um connor to be able to come up with how they're going to fit everything in there but there's no doubt it's going to go over christmas and go into next year impossible otherwise yeah, and uh, that comes back to as well if, if, if like club players are given out that it's unfair on the inter-county player look at the inter county player then that might he'll have to play his club championship then he has to play an inter-county championship and then you're looking at potentially finishing the league in maybe january or february or next year before going into straight back into a league again yeah it's going to start you really think about next season's league so you know rather than having the exact same thing and having the eight games yeah. i think you should really condense that to help us out. You, imagine, you imagine something like that or like they might they might even have to look at having a condensed championship again next year because i it think so yeah yeah, I think I think that's what's going to happen. They'll play next year's league. They'll go April for clubs, or they might go May for clubs next year. You know, they might give the league maybe April or March and April rather than February and March. You know, March and April next year, then May for clubs, and then a condensed championship again. I think they're going to have to do that. Well, it can't be just 2020 that's compromised because of this, because you can't just say that, like, right, we'll, it'll affect the 2020 season because it's going to stretch into January and February. So obviously it's going to have a counter effect on the, on next season. And they might, the GA might hope that by the end of the 2021 season, that by 2022, they're able to start again afresh. But it's de- definitely next season is going to have an impact. I think, as Colin said, a condensed league. And you're probably going to you're probably going to have to look at a condensed championship. Like we, you, you only briefly mentioned Sigerson there. I'm thinking of underage, inter-county championship, all this sort of stuff, and to try and fit club in as well. So the 2021 season is going to be impacted as well. And just before what you mentioned there as well, but the the fans, 
I, I'd say that like by the middle of October, Connor made a good point earlier on that like the good thing about, you know, the, the Inter-County Championship is that you can realistically, you know, you can realistically think that there might be decent crowds at these matches and the middle of October is four months away. And I just imagine like I'm looking at what's happened between phase one and phase two. You know, there's there's been an entire phase removed. A lot of restrictions have been lifted. Now, I, I can't say for certain, obviously, but I, I would say there'd be a lot of pressure on the social social distancing distance to come down to a metre by that stage. So you could be looking at 40,000 people in Crow Park by October, November, which would be great. And another thing, just quickly, is that we haven't factored in is, like, we're going across flu season in the winter, which is going to throw a huge spanner in the works with people getting the flu and having high temperatures, you know, and then having the whole issue, is it a flu? Is it, you know, the coronavirus? And then is that team safe to play? And there's all sorts of kind of mess. It could get messy, you know, over the winter and during flu season. But anyways, we'll deal with that. Um, when when uh, when it comes, um, so we know, like we said, that the intercounty preparation time is one month, and the club is eleven days full contact, and another three weeks before that. So to give us an idea of how challenging this is going to be for club managers and county managers and strength and conditioning coaches, Barry Solon joins us on the line now. Barry, how's it going? Good, Colin. Yeah, good. To so dates in the dates in the diary there. Well, it is. Listen, we're all very optimistic. It's been a great shot in the air. But here we go, right? So lads have been sitting around for 11 or for about, what, four months. And by the time June the 29th is going to come now, they've been doing their own training. June 29th, then they'll have three weeks of non-contact training and then only 11 days contact training in the lead up to a championship game. Like it's far from ideal. Would I be right in saying that? Uh, yeah, possibly. I think... Um... I don't know with the, like the fitness trends over over the last couple of months. I'm I'm sure a high majority of people have kept themselves in in some sort of of decent shape. I don't think you've got the like you know if you were a normal club player coming back training in, in January or fifth or January or February. I don't think you have the kind of Christmas and winter months under you. So yeah, you might never you know you might be a couple of steps up on up on the ladder already. So you'd be hoping then that would that would take into account. But still, the dates that you mentioned there, like that's that's eight weeks really from now. Um, so it does give people a chance to to know that I, I'm sure players and coaches now are delighted just to have like some something to aim for and something to to aim at. So that will give them give people a bit of focus on that. And still, like if if people aren't in great shape presently, like you still have a bit of time there now to get yourself moving before you be before you get in Tampa, You know. What what do you make of the eleven days? This is for club. We'll start off with the club anyway. So it's the J- July the twentieth. They're allowed full contact, so they can finally start playing mini matches or you know matches in training, and that's only eleven days out. And you know tapering towards a championship match, you might not do in much in the week leading up to it. So they're going to have very little football in them. Yeah, that's true, uh, and it probably goes back to it being you know similar, like through different restrictions, but going back to it being similar to an early season game where you maybe have a good bit of fitness work done because that would be the focus at that time of year. Yeah, and then you're just getting your hands on the ball or whatever. And obviously, the the games generally at that time of year aren't as important. But now the fact that it's going straight into a club championship game. Yeah, it leaves it a bit tight on people, but I guess it's just it's just different circumstances, and players can still you know work away with a ball. Or I, I believe there's a you know some smaller groups allowed to possibly train together before it is even contact training, and you know I, how people use that and take advantage of that so they can get the ball in their hands. And people being used to being around bodies, even though they're they're socially distanced, that will kind of get people back up to you know being in a somewhat I guess of a of a match kind of scenario before they get back into contact training. Yeah, that's it. So they'll have three weeks in the lead up to the before the contact, at least to get their hands on the ball in smaller groups and swing over a few points, but there'll be nobody scrubbing out of them. That's it. I suppose that's the difference. That's the difference. Yeah, there might be a few fellas delighted with that and a few <laughs> disappointed with it. So yeah, yeah. Come here. Yeah, it, is. it just leaves it tight there, yeah. Yeah, at least like come here. What about um, you know, from a strength and conditioning point of view? So a lot of players wouldn't have access to weights. They will have been using kind of body weight exercises, press ups, sit ups, squats, all those things. Like the gyms open back on August tenth. Like the advice from a strength and conditioning point of view wouldn't be to start, you know, lifting weights if you haven't been, you know, because they will be in the middle of championship at that stage. Yeah, I think really where like it's going to be a little bit different for people in terms of what your starting point is. And that's like how you turn up. If you someone who've had, if you're someone who's had access to, to weights, whatever at home or, you know, through whatever a club has, or you might have borrowed and you've been doing that 
you know, absolutely fine, continue on with it. But if it's a case that you're getting into, you know, I wouldn't be anything, adding anything new to somebody's preparation or somebody's training program on the week leading into a game or the couple of weeks leading into it. I keep it pretty simple. Uh, do what you can on the pitch. You know, players can still get a lot of speed work done on the pitch and do a lot of body weight, power exercise and things like that that would also have a carryover. Uh, and I think the main thing now, probably from what you've seen over the, the last couple of months, is there's been a big, um, I guess, increase in the amount of people like going steady state running in terms of doing 5Ks or 10Ks. But like, if yeah. you were to play a club game or an inter-county game at the pace you do a 5K, all you'd have is people passing you out all day long. So that would be, you know, people need to be careful with the, the emphasis on that because the game really, while, you know, people might cover 7 or 8K in a club game, a lot of that is done jogging, walking, but the, the 5 or 10% of it that's done at high speed is really what makes the difference. And your preparation and training then would need to reflect that. We yeah. have a, a portion of training where people get to really open their legs out and cover ground at a, at a good speed, you know. It was just a McNulty used to call those kind of running things money in the bank. But like, I mean, they're they're useless, really, when it comes to a match situation. You know, because all I see, Barry, is people doing like 5K, 10K runs. Like, I mean you know for match preparation that's not you know like you say it's it's all sprinting stopping going again high higher intensity training yeah and like you're really looking at the the difference in a game is like that the, you know a small percentage of the match is made up of very high intensity actions but even though they're a small percentage they're the the things that are the deciding factors and that's whether someone can get to win a ball or make space to take a shot or close down an opponent or whatever it might be. So training then, in in the main sense, you're trying to get training to really reflect the demands of the game. And if you were to take a 5K as an example, like you mentioned, Wooly, like someone running a 5K at a good pace might be running at that four or five metres a second in terms of distance to be covering, but someone sprinting in the game would be doing it at eight or nine. Yeah. So it's very hard from the car, for the car to go from like second gear to fifth gear. There needs to be... A, a bit of work done in third and fourth gear there to get people there safely. So that would be a big thing in terms of how players turn up to come back to training and that there is a bit of that kind of high-speed running and sprinting planned in just in a common-sense approach, but that you do expose players to it before they get back playing yeah. games. And, you know, training drills can do that too with the ball if they're designed well enough. It doesn't necessarily have to be just running and not using the ball because I'm sure when players come back now and coaches, they're going to want to make every minute they can with the ball count. So it's just designing sessions and games where people have the opportunity to do that. So an example of that might be if you play 5v5 in a 20-meter in a box, there's going to be a lot of change in direction, speeding up, slowing down, contact, all those kind of things. And that's kind of more intense for a way to describe it. Whereas if you play... 5v5 in like a 60 meter box there's going to be a bit more ground covered and yeah. there's going to be a bit more distance involved so it's just getting the blend of of those few things right so you can use the ball and the rules and the game plan you have and just condition the games to make sure that like you're making the best effect of the kind of limited training sessions you're going to have with the team as a group you know yeah, yeah, I would say you can still socially distance, but kind of mimic a match kind of situation in that first three weeks, you know, the, exactly, without yeah. contact, yeah. Yeah, and the one thing players don't get then probably in those settings is if you've been out doing a bit of fitness work yourself or whatever it is, you're kind of not used now of reacting to something. So yeah. even getting into a small group, you're, you know, well, if I know this guy plays off one side of his body or he tends to do this or, you know, losing a defender or closing down an attacker or whatever it might be, you're reacting to like a stimulus that you need to, you know, get used to doing again and get back into a game scenario as close as you can mimic it, you know. Right. So here, the, the Inter-County have one month. So they're going to be back on September 14th with the championship starting on October 17th. You've worked at plenty of Inter-County teams, Barry. Inter-County managers will not like this four weeks. They want three months of a run in. They want, and they don't, they certainly don't want their players coming off a tough inter, or club championship where they don't have their hands on them. And, you know, their the Inter-County training is banned pretty much until September 14th. So, like, I mean, for me, a month, is more than enough, especially coming off most of them will have been playing football. But inter-county managers tend to be a little bit more controlling. I mean, that is not in a terrible way, that, you know, than, than that. So, like, I mean, the strength and conditioning coaches for inter-county managers will be, you know, planning out that month and they'll be probably worried a lot about getting players injured coming off the club championship. 
Yeah, I think actually when I when when I looked at it there off the, off the news that that came out there yesterday, I think it's actually if you're an inter county player, it's quite a nice build up, um, because you get you've got a good bit of advance warning. Like you're looking at it now, I think it's maybe fifteen or sixteen weeks until kind of that comes around. Like so, I guess that's no different to you know somebody coming back in November and maybe a national league, you know, starting in early February. But from that point of view, you wouldn't have the the exposure to playing club games which I think is a really good thing because yeah. you know guys have already had a you know the guts of half the season completed I'm sure any of the, the lads at playing at inter-county level are generally very very good for keeping themselves fit so I think they're going to have a great run of it in terms of they've had a couple of months maybe to clear up knocks and bumps that if you had Anthony you got to work on it and get rid of that you've now got a nice kind of ramp up into the inter-county season which is like the real high end of it but you're going to get to play club games and, you know, get exposed to match minutes there. And then I'm sure when they come back in with the county teams, then for that month that you're, you know, training obviously will go up a notch. But again, they'd be looking to play as much football, I'm sure, as they can, because people will be, you know, far, not, I won't say inter-county match fit, but probably not far off it when they've came through a bit of a, a couple of club games and have a good bit of training under their belt, you know. Yeah, so that's the thing, like, I mean, when you listen to some managers and they talk about their, they almost have like a five-month training programme where they're, they're, you know, gearing up to peak at a certain month, say if it's in May or June, and they might train hard right throughout the National League. This is ripping up this script completely then, isn't it? Because, like, they won't, they won't be allowed to have them while the club season's going on, and they'll only give them, be given a month. Yeah, it might be something in, in terms of a little bit of a window into the future in terms of like how how the approach is uh, and the, yeah. way the seasons work. Um, it's I find it like if if I was an inter-county player, like the, probably you're thinking, you know, when you come back for pre-season, you're thinking probably, Jesus, months until there's going to be a game here, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's not the case this time now, you know? And generally because of the time of year it is and the, the bank of work people will have done already, are going to arrive to start in, in much better shape than people normally would turn up after a couple of weeks off and maybe having a good time over the winter months or over Christmas, you know. So uh, there is a bit of probably a bit of learning on it, on it. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out now in, in terms of... But again, the teams who, who make the best use of this time will have a bit of an advantage then going into, going into the competition. Yeah, I suppose the question is, is there a need for those big, long, drawn-out kind of programmes over months? Do you know, like, I mean, I know that maybe it's just the way the season is kind of planned out. Like, you could get a player properly up to fitness in four or five weeks, right? Yeah, and again, that comes back to the the kind of earlier point we were, we were mentioning there and that it just depends where your starting point is. If yeah. you're like a young lad coming into an inter-county panel that's played with maybe the minor or under 20s or 21s, you know, you're going to need a bit more time in terms of long-term development over a number of seasons. Whereas if you're someone who's, you know, played for a number of seasons and you, you keep yourself in good shape, a couple of weeks of training is generally, it's getting you ready to play a match. Yeah. Um, but the the thing is then is just getting enough match exposure before you go into the competition of like a national league. So that would be where you're like Auburn Cup or SPD and those kind of things kick in, you know. And I guess it's just the organisation of the season, the way it works. If you look at other sports, they have you know, shorter off seasons probably and a, a more longer organised season. Um, I guess the difference in in this instance with kind of the club and the and the intercounty thing for you would never have had a club build into an intercounty season before. So yeah. it may be something that people can get a bit of match match exposure from and, and take a bit of learning from that, you know. Right, right. Okay. So I suppose the big takeaway, like the intercounty will be that bit easier because they can go straight into contact and they have a month. The club is a little bit more complicated in that they have the three weeks first with no contact and then 11 days contact. So your advice within the, those three weeks is to mimic, you know, match situations as much as possible within the, you know, no contact restrictions. Yeah. And I'd be, obviously, if, if players have, um, have, done a good bit of work while they've been away and they still have a bit of time to catch up on some of that now before they come back for that time when you're on the pitch um, and we've done the same here like our initial start here you were limited to five players on the pitch I think was the initial rules right. um, and you just have to come up with what's going to work and how people are going to coach or whatever but if you've got you know a big space like yellow football pitch it's quite easy to design sessions where people get contact with the ball uh, get to make some decisions get plenty of running in them, get the fitness levels up, 
you can include, you know, bigger sessions where they cover more distance or more smaller sessions where there might be a focus on, on change of direction. Like I would go just with a steady increase and a kind of simple rule you would use in the conditioning kind of element of things is keep it within like 10 to 20%. You know, you're not going to turn up one day and do X amount and then turn up and do 50% more the next day. So just that you, you build players up slowly over that and that you build that to match where they're at and, and stick to what works for your setting rather than, you know, copying what you hear another team is doing or, or whatever might be happening in different counties or with different clubs. Yeah. But the important, like the one thing that managers at club level should not do is use those three weeks in the non-contact park just to run the sh- to run them like that's a waste of your time there's more creative ways to use the ball at uh, twisting and turning shadowing you know all as much that when you hit those last 11 days of the full contact fellas are not getting a huge shock to the system do you know i suppose that's like yeah, and absolutely. then injury you know because that there'd be a big issue with injuries then i suppose absolutely yeah and you'd be trying to use that period where you know the ball for me if if you were looking after that would be in 90 or 95 percent of the session yeah. You get the session designed so it, it gets out of the lads what you want in terms of them getting their skills in, getting used to being around bodies while they're while they have the distance still in place and getting used to making decisions then on the ball, off the ball and how that relates to your game plan and how you want to play. For sure. Yeah. yeah I think exactly. if you're just turning up and running the guts out of lads for a couple of weeks there, it's a complete waste of time. Yeah. Complete waste of time. Come here, how's things in Arsenal? You're nearly ready to get them back on the field, so you're well ahead of the GA in terms of that. It's uh, obviously it's, you've been kind of day by day here now at the minute, just finding out as the, as the Premier League has been making decisions and there's been meetings and you're waiting to hear what news is coming out of those. Yeah, but we're ten days away now from from the first game and we actually have a, an extra game to play, which means we start a couple of days earlier. So similar to the club lads there now, we're we're going to have a little bit of a of a. a, a big spike up to, to start I think we have three games maybe in the first week from the fixtures we've seen or the first seven or eight days so yeah it's right. going to be a, a busy start but yeah looking forward to it now we've Go on sorry but you know in normal pre-seasons there's lots of you know challenge games and little tournaments and stuff you don't have any of that now can, like you, you, or can you play another club in a chal- in a friendly before the whole yeah, we actually, the teams have been playing now and I think you've, I've seen a bit online there where teams have been using their stadiums and, and getting lads used to being in KISS and we played a, a friendly there at the weekend against Chardon Athletic, just kind of the same as you'd have a normal pre-season game with a, with a Gaelic team or whatever it might be, just trying to get lads match time and, and build that up then now over the next kind of two weeks until we get going, you know. Right, okay. Well, so like, I mean, best to look with it anyways. And you, you might, uh, any word on sh- piping atmosphere into the stadiums or anything like that I've only seen the small bits uh, that people have been commenting online but I haven't heard that in concrete yet on what it, it might be uh, our first game was up at Man City so if there's a bit of a waste that's going in the background Wooly I won't be complaining <laughs> I don't think anybody will Barry come here thanks very much okay good man thank you Yeah, we I, we do. Yeah, we have a farm back home, so we have, we have a big farm back home, and we have we have uh, cattle and sheep, and we have a few donkeys as well. So, um, with a couple of Philly donkeys, uh, so I brought them down, and so we did we actually sold them to. Uh, I think we had four donkeys on the day, and we sold them to a man from Wexford. So we did. So there's there's the piebald donkeys from there, and there's the, the <laughs> traditional donkey, and there's the, the Spanish donkey, and then there's the, the Spanish donkey. They call it. Yeah, you see you see them on the on the beaches, never. And so, um, yeah, you can actually. One time, one time the the donkey was useless, right? But now some people have started to get back into them because you can use them for headage, and uh, it's used towards your, would say, your bonuses, your grants. A donkey, a donkey in Eden, a donkey in Eden Palace. All right, so the newspaper review, lads. We're going to start with uh, Joe Brawley, our friend Joe Brawley in the Sunday Independent. So the headline here is better to have gone too far than not far enough. And then the kind of sub-headline is the GA did the right thing at the right time and is emerging from the pandemic stronger. So Brawley writing a pretty uh, positive piece about the GA, which is kind of unusual for him. Um, He talks a lot about the UK, like it's a little bit of everything in this article, but there was one piece in it which kind of annoyed me a little bit 
And he said, unlike the Premier League, which is a paragon of corporate insincerity, the GEA is very strong, is, is in a very strong position of trust. At the beginning of the COVID-19 outbreak, our leaders acted swiftly, decisively, correctly, and all around in a way that made us uh, proud to be Gales. Again, most people would agree with that if you're not kind of one of these conspiracy theorists which, who say the lockdown was, you know, a waste of time and everything. The GEA did act swiftly. They acted um, in March and closed everything down and got no one would criticize that. So then he goes on to talk about Colin O'Rourke and he says, Colin O'Rourke, for example, has bemoaned the fact that pitches were closed and remain closed as always his, and as always his message is powerful and deserving of close attention. But for me, closing the pitches altogether made a powerful statement at a time when we had no idea how catastrophic this virus might be. Of less importance, it also meant our kids couldn't uh, gather in large groups and that the GA wasn't being battered on social media with clips of rowdy gatherings and the like. Instead, we sucked it up for the common good and for our elderly, um, etc. So Colin O'Rourke never complained back in March. You see, this is, this is completely incorrect. Colin O'Rourke complained on May the 17th. When we, when we had 64 new cases, when the curve had completely been flattened. It's completely unfair to try and, um, you know, insinuate that he had a problem with the closing of the pitches. Colin O'Rourke had a problem with the pitches remaining closed when the, the curve had been flattened and everything was OK. Like May the 17th is nothing like March the 17th, Colin. No, it's, it's definitely not. And I, I think Brawley mentioned Peter Cannavan in, in the piece talking about nationalists in the North take their, their call from the GA rather than Stormont or Westminster. And I spoke at the time, like, yeah, like it, it was great what the GA done at the time in March because everybody took their lead from them and they all closed down and socially distanced before the UK did. But yeah, this is probably using what the GA did well back in March for his argument now in May, June time. And like I said, time as well like I could still you know I wasn't that put out by the fact that the GA were being conservative because I thought that it was better to speed up the opening rather than having to pull it back but yeah. like, what, what he's doing there yeah is just he's just using some good they did three months ago rather than actually talking about what they're doing right now yeah exactly so the timeline here is obviously in March like I said everything was shut down and everybody agreed with that that I could see I don't see remember anyone in the GA saying this was a bad idea we were all scared shitless we didn't know what was coming down the tracks Leo, Leo Varadkar was saying we could have 250,000 cases all sorts of stuff like these state of the nations this was the right thing to do absolutely by the GA then on May the 1st the government announced their guidelines of you know returning the life back to normal and then May the 6th the GEA announced that they were continuing to close pitches until July, July the 20th, 11 weeks further. That's when, like, I started losing the head on the show here. You know, like, because on May the 7th, it was 22 new cases outside residential homes. So sometimes the way the GEA are, are playing this is that they're saying when they made the July the 20th call, it was a much different landscape. It wasn't that different. It was relatively few cases in the community at that time. They made a crazy decision based on from county board chairman with no medical advice and that is the big problem here on May the 13th Liam Sheedy criticised it like that was only a week later and then May the 17th Colin O'Rourke wrote his first piece in the Independent May the 17th there was 64 new cases on May the 21st there was 51 new cases so we're not talking about a month ago being like March the 17th we're talking a month ago the government opening back up the country, you know what I mean, opening up the country. So it kind of annoys me. That I'm surprised Brawley wrote that and kind of, I don't know, insinuated that for some reason O'Rourke was against the, the lockdown almost in general. And I don't like the fact that the GEA keep saying things like a month ago it was much different, Connor. You know, it wasn't that much different a month ago. Yeah, and just on like uh, I like I I think I've been fairly paying fairly close attention to what Joe Brawley's been writing like in in the time since, and I this is, seems to be the first time where he's taken a stance, a big stance on this at least. Anyway, whereas Colin O'Rourke has been consistent on this since, like regardless of whether you agreed with him or not, he's been making this case since early May, as you said, and and obviously the evidence is supporting him more and more by the week. So it's a bit rich of Joe then to just mention without kind of being specific about what Colm O'Rourke has been saying the whole time, just to suggest that he's going off what the GA were saying earlier in March. So, you know, and that, that's, that's it's unfair. It's unfair on Colm O'Rourke, as you said. And there was just a couple other things in, in Joe Bradley's piece as well. Like he said that the GA are coming out of it looking pristine. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that that's exactly the case. Obviously, Colm O'Rourke has been raising issues, as have you, Willie. And then there was like 
just there, there was a the kind of a throwaway line about like it's less important that co- kids couldn't gather in, in small groups. And I just like if, if you if you look on, on Friday when the news was announced that that kids were allowed back to summer camps and the relief that came from parents all around the country because of, they knew the impact that it was going to have on their on their physical and mental health. I thought I thought that was just a bit of a throwaway line as well. So, though, yeah, kind of unfair on um, on Colm O'Rourke. And I suppose the irony is, I think they were on the same page in the paper and Joe Brawley's assumed far more space than Colm O'Rourke's did. So, anyway. <laughs> I, I don't want to talk too much about Colm O'Rourke's. I agree with all of it. I But it's very like stuff we were talking about last Thursday. So I don't think there's too much. He has some interesting stats. He said 16 people under 14, 14 ha, or under 45 have died. And he made the point that in that period of over three months in a normal year, far more people under 45 age group would have died than have died from, you know, the coronavirus. Like, I mean, when you look at the stats, like 93% of those who died who have been over 65, 89% of those have been underlying conditions. You know, like, I mean, the stats aren't really pointing at this being a huge threat to people that would be playing GEA, you know? So, like, I mean, he's being very consistent about this. He also makes the point that he says Donegal, Kerry, Sligo, Limerick and Wexford have had no new cases since the week ending May the 29th. Kerry, Sligo and Donegal have had almost no cases for three weeks now, yet pitches remain closed. Why can't, why could the GEA not have opened immediately for business in those counties? Why take an approach of all or nothing? Why have those counties to wait while other um, sports can get back three weeks earlier. Again, all making sense as far as I'm concerned and stuff we said last Thursday. And, you know, we know John Horan says we're all in this together, Colin, because obviously Dublin is not a county that could open up much faster. <laughs> yeah, you, you used a trigger word for me there, though, as the people of underlying conditions. I, I actually hate when everyone just assumes that that's fine. Like, you know, people of underlying conditions died. It's like, well, no, it's it's not like, you know, we can still protect them. And I get that we're easing things up anyway. But I do think that if you go back a month. Yeah, I just, just, just on that, though, Conan, I don't think it's like people are, are saying that's their fair game. I think it's to more relax people that don't have them. Obviously, the people with underlying conditions need to be very careful and need to cocoon. You know, it, I think that's more, you know, to make people who don't have underlying conditions more relaxed rather than going, well, we can sacrifice the people with under underlying conditions. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know, just like we, we know a lot of people who have underlying conditions as well, but they don't know about them. Do you know, like, do you know it's yeah. just... Um, well, I I've, asthma. Always... I've, I've asthma. I'm in one of the more higher risk groups. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there, you're, you're a good authority to talk about it then. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but, just throw I, me to the wolves. <laughs> I think if you go back to like, like the CPA did a survey three weeks ago and 43% of the people said they wouldn't play without a vaccine. But I think if you took that survey today, that would be a lot less. Like, you know, people would say they would play without a vaccine. Do you know what? So I, I think things have moved fast, even over the month. And I get like you yeah. yourself and Colin O'Rourke were out in front. And But me back then, I was sort of like, ah, there's no big rush. And I, I think a month ago, the way we were seeing like videos from people on the beaches and they were congregating, I think if you had to saw them in GA pitches, like probably should have made this point rather than talking about it back in March. If you yeah. had to have a clip going viral in May, at the GA pitches and the GA would have been taking a bit of a hammer and then they wouldn't know, but they would have probably three, four weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. So in the Sunday Times, we have Dennis Walsh who talks to Neve Fitzpatrick, not someone I would have been aware of. Um, the headline here is players tell you things that they won't ever tell the manager. So she is a sports psychologist. Um, the sub headline is Neve Fitzpatrick, the sports psychologist on life in a male domain and her own grief. Um, so there's a little bit about, obviously, like Dennis says, her own grief here. But I thought like this was funny in a way because she was a sports psychologist with Wexford in 1996. And this was a big undercover operation. Like nobody was allowed to know that they had a sports psychologist. There was, she was the first person to work with uh, a hurling team. Um, so for matches in Croke Park that summer, Fitzpatrick was identified to the relevant authorities as a physiotherapist. <laughs> they wouldn't let us, they didn't want anyone to know that they had a sports psychologist with them. On one night when the media were invited to Wexford training session, Griffin suddenly remembered um, her undercover alias. Come here, he said to me, run out onto that pitch and run your hands up and down Larry Murphy's leg. <laughs> I'm not sure you could say that in this uh, current climate. Like, I mean, that might be a little bit, uh, imagine telling someone now to go and do that. But anyways, I'm not going to get into a conversation like that. Um, interestingly, Conan, in 1993, Derry were the first team to win in Ireland with a sports psychologist on board but no hurling team had done it so even in in Martin Story's speech 
um, when they won the All-Ireland, he referred to Fitzpatrick as, as their special friend. And they just didn't want, they just did not want to admit they had a sports psychologist. It's hilarious stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like, like they won the All Ireland as well. So what more vindication do you need that this yeah, works? Yeah. But he still didn't feel comfortable about about saying what did he say? He called her a special friend. Yeah. On, on yeah. the podium, so he didn't do it. But yeah, Derry had Craig Craig Mahoney. He was I think from Australia. He was in with them. And like you know, by all accounts, some of the stories the boys tell you, like you know, he's a bit a bit out there with some of his methods. Like there was there was something. I remember Eamon Burns telling me before where they were told to imagine they were red foxes and and the opposition were little white chickens. <laughs> they were doing this stuff, but he did have a good thing where it was like just like if you made a mistake, you had to just shout a word or a phrase or do some motion with your hand, you know, just as a way of throwing that mistake out of your system, sort of thing. So even back in '93, that was was working well. Yeah, she was with Nee or she was with Mayo as well, Connor. So like they kept yeah. her a secret as well because I'd never heard um, the, the, uh, Caroline Curridge you hear all over the place. You don't hear of Nee Fitzpatrick too much, and they do the same job. It looks like. No, I hadn't heard about her at all until yesterday. I just and I found that the, the the Mayo piece of the story fascinating as well. Obviously, um, she was a sister of Dara Fitzpatrick, who um, who sadly passed away and. Um, in the tragedy in the West Coast as well, and that she said that she confronted that immediately with the Mayo team, and that she 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 managed to deal with it very well throughout the year. I think this is the summer of 2017 when Mayo got to the final against Dublin, and then it was just after the they beat Kerry in the replay. It just suddenly came on her, you know, and uh, she got a bit emotional, and all the all the players kind of came up to her just in the in the warm up area in Crow Park. Um, just to, just gave her a hug and kind of helped her through it and stuff. So, and just it was it was it was fascinating as well that she said she doesn't really have regrets, but if she had, if she could point to one, it was it would be that that she she couldn't help that Mayo team to to an All Ireland. So that 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 obviously got me a bit emotional as well. But just the fact that like this this story that the, the fact that this story went hidden for so long. I mean, Wexford is what ninety six, and even like you know you, you think. As close as 2017, you'd be more aware of this sort of stuff. But that 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 certainly escaped my radar, and I I'd say it escaped the, the radar of most people in Mayo as well. So just really fascinating story. And if people haven't got a chance to read it, I'd suggest that they do. Yeah, maybe she's an undercover sports psychologist, and she's just blowing her cover now. Like I mean, this she works in the shadows, and you're not supposed to know that she's uh, she's there. That's the kind of power of 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 Neve. Um, no, but that's a good piece. If you get a chance to read it, it'll probably be coming online. Um, the uh, Irish Mail on Sunday, again, very strong on GA, uh, four or five different pieces. Shane McGrath writes a piece. Um, he's the chief sports writer, and he writes a piece on the return to play. And again, he's very complimentary towards the GEA, like he was the last time. He said that the, the, the GEA on Friday night, uh, or to release their guidelines for its safe return, were impressively detailed. And then he said, here, this is a bit that really got me going. Um, opening everything now is the cry. A month ago, the idea that club matches would be played by the end of July um, and all Ireland series would be underway in the third week of October sounded fanciful. It didn't. That's a month ago. Again, you see, Shane is trying to play that game that Brawley's playing in that using, making people think that last month was March. Last month, the day, I keep repeating this because I tweeted it, last <laughs> last month when the GEA announced an 11-week ban on opening up the pitches, there was 22 cases in the community, nationwide in the Republic. Don't try to pretend that a month ago this was fanciful. It wasn't fanciful. It absolutely wasn't fanciful. So don't say that it was fanciful. Um, Michael Clifford um, did a piece that about the, the new club in Belfast with Dave um, McCreevy. Um, I'm not going to get into that one too much. He also talks to Pete McGrath, Michael Clifford. And remember, we're saying you're kind of we're kind of tired of of um, managers and GA players being asked their opinion on the coronavirus and stuff like this. And here's a perfect example of why you should shouldn't be asking him too much about it. So Pete McGrath says you're going to have to be looking at playing matches behind closed doors. You have to have referees, linesmen tested, managers, selectors, backroom teams in and in the Premiership. They're actually disinfecting the fields they're playing on and the dressing rooms. I'm not so sure we're in a position to do that. At the end of it, we won't be left with matches or we'll be left with matches behind closed doors, playing matches in empty stadiums. It's just beyond me at the minute to see a way through it. And amazingly, Shane McGrath has a smaller piece on this exact page where the interview Tom Ryan and this was probably at the at the media launch of the return to play. And he says it would be our hope 
to have attendances at games. Um, it's something we're conscious of and we see it as desirable to have crowds at our games. So he's just completely contradicting what Pete McGrath, just a notion he has in his head and he hasn't really been following it. And they're almost one column over from each other. They're right, be- they're right beside each other. Pete McGrath's quotes, incorrect quotes, being completely... <laughs> disproved by Tom Ryan, the Director General, and they're on the same page. Ah, oh, Pete McGrath just took a stab at it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like they, all, they should have learned from Jurgen Klopp back in February when he was like, why the hell are you asking me about this? <laughs> when he just batted it down completely. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's probably the best thing that, the, that they should do. I just thought that was funny when they were beside each other. But Shane McGrath also has a good piece with Barry Waters. Um, he's the He's one of the... Uh, or he's head of sports science with Stat Sports, and we spoke about them last Thursday, and we had a bit of a confusion based off the the stats that were in the Irish Times and in the Irish Independent. Remember, we were saying what's yeah. that two point five? I thought that that was more than one player because it just didn't seem right, and we were kind of confused as to what it was. But the numbers um, weren't exactly completely accurate. Um, to be more accurate. And Shane has them right here. He says the company published a paper on Wednesday night, which found the length of the average incursion, their term for when a player gets closer than two metres to another player across four game study was 2.5 seconds. And each player was supposed was exposed to an average of 539 of such incursions per game. So, like, I mean, a lot of people were losing their minds about these stats um, last Thursday. I think Mark McHugh especially was given out was given out about him he was tweeting you know about the the what did he say i'm sorry but i'm not buying this ask man markers or players who've been man marked they'd be lucky to have 2.5 seconds without the man holding onto his jersey and that was the confusion we had but it was mis kind of reported in that 2.5 seconds is the average incursion of which there are 539 incursions and now conan that makes so much more sense it does yeah it was probably grim though that i was Thinking that sounds about right. I've never touched somebody for that long. <laughs> Did you <laughs> say that was right? <laughs> no, no. But I was thinking, do you know what? I can, I can make peace with us. I'm not, I'm not getting close enough to people. That's going to be, it's not going to be. Uh, uh, that, that's going to be the most common joke though when this comes back. It's like, oh, we must still think the social distance policies are still in place yeah. <laughs> when someone's yeah. getting roasted. Yeah, but it's 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 interesting what Barry Solon says there about you know the three weeks before the eleven days contact and not the hand passing games because they're too close contact. But uh, when you widen them out, and we've probably all been involved in training sessions where they've been widened out. And let's be honest, the marking when it's widened out is very, very slack. You just can't recreate that same intensity as the small area. So those type of games where you're twisting, turning, running to the side, almost shadowing that you're marking a fella, but you're away. Pretty much what I do when I'm playing those games anyways, because all I do is pretend I'm kind of staying close to him. But, you know, you're not exactly getting your hands anywhere near him. But they're probably versions of that. And being creative about those three weeks are probably the way managers should be going, Conan. Pretty much, pretty much what Conan does in a, in a real game, by the sounds of things. There was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretty much what I would say an awful lot of club players do. Those games will suit them down to the ground. But I think that's kind of, that's probably important. Yeah, no, absolutely, and they, they, those those sounds those games sound doable as well. I think the thing last week when or the thing when people were examining the guidelines and wondering what sort of training they could be doing, and we're probably fearing. I think that Barry Solan put the put the kibosh on was a load of drills where you're just running in a straight line all the time because you know they might avoid contact, whatever. Whereas a game like that, that you know you can allow a certain amount of distancing, but also replicate you know, game-based stuff to a certain degree. That sounds a lot more palatable to me than what I feared when I, you know, thought about training, return to training with social distancing involved. Yeah, okay, so we'll finish with the Sunday world. Um, Pat Spillane, one of our favourite columnists to review. The, the hilarious thing about this is Pat Spillane wrote this last Monday before any of this. He didn't have an iota that this return to play was going to be released, let's say, at the end of the week because he picked his league all-stars. <laughs> like, I mean, like, honestly, we've just got some news. All that nonsense that you're trying to make up columns and shows, you don't need that now. We have proper news that we can actually talk about. And he only has a little sidebar on the the, the back to back to um back to play roadmap that the GA released on, on Friday. And he picks his league all stars, Colin. <laughs> it's a classic it really is a classic he obviously did it early in the week without without any kind of clue that this was coming down the tracks 
But like, there must have been some effort because I was thinking, Jesus, I can't remember any of the league at this stage. Like, and then in fairness, then, like, I, I can't, I can't call him out on any of it because I don't remember any of the league. But every player he picked, I remembered a game at least that they played well. And so I was like, all right, they must have it right. Yeah, but that's, that's not research. That's basically picking a man at a match in the televised game. In the, in oh. that, you know what I mean? Every, every, every player he has on it was on one of the televised TG characters because I remember them playing well like it, when you look at the team he picked it's the most obvious do you get me it's kind of it was pretty much like Niall Morgan had a very high profile good game you know Ryan Wiley the same against Dublin Oshin Mullen the same yeah Brian Fenton Ronan Steed is a no brainer Michael Murphy Shane Walsh Darren McCurry David Clifford like I mean <laughs> this is just basically you know the best player on a certain team in the televised game yeah, he had the worst thing of all time to say for Gavin White. So this is, this is he's picking his all stars for 20, 2020 essentially, and he's like, thankfully Kerry have put him back to his best position at halfback with pace. <laughs> this is this is the reason you put him in your all star team. But he also thought that uh, David Clifford is is uh, proving people wrong in his second season, and it's like Pat. He's already won two All Stars. This is his third season, and <laughs> he's Kerry captain. So he's uh, yeah, he's, he's satisfied anyway that the Kerry captain isn't suffering from second season syndrome. Jesus Christ! Well, anyways, I think the the day of of picking those teams and trying to make up shows because I think we're going to start getting news filtered in a bit over the next few weeks leading up to the club season and you know the inter county season. We don't have that roadmap of you know what dates and how what kind of form that's going to take. So you'd just be more enthusiastic in that we have news, we have GA news, things are going on we're getting some momentum going here you know like I mean that's the one kind of good thing about this whole thing it feels like we're we're back <laughs> you know that kind of way but uh yeah we've run out of time lads because we're not going to spend too much time talking about Pat Spillane's um <laughs> Pat Spillane's piece and we've run out of time to talk about any of the others so we'll leave it there um and we will be back on Thursday with another show um we'll talk to you then good luck And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I should go. And so it opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today. Because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.